If you have your Bibles, I'd love for you to turn to Luke chapter two, a very familiar passage, especially this time of year. Our Advent word or theme for today, as you know by now, is peace. Peace is a common theme throughout the Christmas holiday, the Christmas tradition, even uh, the songs we sing and, and the things that we celebrate during this time. Peace is a very common theme, which for a moment, I want you to think about it, is a little ironic. Isn't the word peace, there's a, some irony in there. I mean, what about this holiday season is peaceful? Is anybody else with me? Anybody else who just feel completely at peace or do you feel a little stressed out? We are fully in the hustle and bustle of the holiday. If you're anything like me, you've got a list of things you've got to do and be at this month that does not create a whole lot of peace. We've got Christmas parties to attend, gift buying. You're in the fourth quarter at your workplace. You've got school deadlines. You've got traveling. You've got family commitments. Your list and my list of things we have to do this month as we focus on Jesus is enormous. And so there's a little irony that one of the key themes is peace. And so that's what we're gonna talk about today is this idea of peace. But is peaceful a word that you would use to describe yourself currently? Is that where you are currently? Or do these words fit you better? Rushed, stressed, behind, hurried, anxious, or busy. Which words best describe you currently? So I'm so grateful that we get to discuss this word to see and to be reminded of how Jesus is our Prince of Peace and how this holiday is one of peace. Regardless of how you feel, a common theme throughout the season is peace. It's something that Christ offers to us. Let's test your Christmas uh, carol trivia just for a second. I'm gonna read you some lines of some famous Christmas carols and you fill in the, the blank word. You ready? This is Hark the Herald Angels Sing. Hark the Herald Angels Sing. Glory to the newborn King. Peace on earth and mercy mild. God and sinners reconciled. This is Silent Night. Silent Night, Holy Night. All is calm, all is bright. Round young virgin, mother and child. Holy infant, so tender and mild, sleep in heavenly peace. Sleep in heavenly peace. Last one. I heard the bells on Christmas Day, their old familiar carols play, and wild and sweet, their words repeat of on earth, goodwill towards men. That common theme you'll hear throughout this month, this idea of peace, and then you probably you will be conflicted a little bit with the lack of peace in your life. So let's address that today. Hopefully you're in Luke chapter two by now, a very familiar text. I want you to see where this idea of peace comes from. Where are we told in scripture that we ought to have peace or that peace is coming? I wanna read for you the story You'll hear it probably again as you read it to your family or children, but it's just great for us to be reminded of this beautiful text. This is the story of Christ is born. Luke chapter two, let me read for you verses eight through 20. 
It says this, and in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them and the glory of the Lord shone around them and they were filled with great fear. That's their emotion. And the angel said to them, fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. That's our text today. The main verse we're gonna look at is verse 14. This idea of peace that, is, that comes to us from verse 14. The verse is this, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom it is, he is pleased. Our scene today, our, our text today teaches us two things. Two things that Christ's birth accomplishes for us. The angel declares good news of great joy. A baby is born, a savior who is Christ the Lord and the heavenly hosts resound. Glory to God in the highest. Because this baby is born, because he is here, the Messiah is here, two things are true. Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. So we're gonna see today two things that are accomplished through the birth of this baby, Christ, our Savior, Jesus. The first thing we'll look at is that this birth, the baby being born, Jesus coming to earth, brings glory to God or gives glory to God. That's what the host, the angelic host, say to Mary or to these shepherds. And the second thing we see is it brings peace on earth. Let's talk about the first one. How does this baby being born bring glory to God? Here's what we know for sure. Christ being born is the fulfillment of the promised Messiah sent to earth. That's what happened this day. The promised fulfillment, the fulfillment of the promise that the, that the Savior would be sent to earth. God promised to his people that he would redeem them back to himself by sending a savior, a promised one. This is the day that that promise is fulfilled. We also know this brings glory to God because Christ's obedience to the Father to come, 
That brings glory to God, that, that his son Christ would obey the Father and, and humble himself by coming to earth. That action brings glory to God. Philippians chapter two teaches us this. This act or this day that the Savior was born brings glory to God in that it proves that God keeps his word. That fulfillment, the fact that God keeps his word, he proved that he is faithful and true. This day gives glory to God in the fact that God proved to all of creation that he is faithful and true, that he keeps his word. It also brings glory to God and that it reminds us, reminds us or teaches us that salvation is from the Lord, not from anywhere else. Salvation comes from God and he is here and his name is Jesus. He was born that day. It proves to us that God is for us. The birth of, of Christ proves to us that God is for us and that God is with us, Emmanuel. That baby born that day was Emmanuel. God loves us. He is for us. He cares about us. All of that narrative, the fact that Christ was born, brings glory to God. And this is why the heavenly hosts declare today glory to God. Not as if God didn't receive glory every other day, but this very moment, this very action that the baby was born in Bethlehem, just like he had declared, all this, the fulfillment of all those prophecies, declare that God is to be gloried. And that moment gave glory to God. That one I think is fairly easy to understand. This spectacular moment that Christ was born brings glory to God. I think the second thing we learn in verse 14 is a little bit more difficult to understand. I wanna walk you through as the, as the heavenly hosts declare peace on earth. The very fact that the savior was born, Jesus was born, that day brought peace on earth, I think is a little bit more complicated. So let me and I, my message today, walk you through how this Jesus, this baby being born brought peace on earth. Because I don't think it's instantly obvious that this baby being born would bring peace on earth. Because consider the circumstances. Just for a moment, let's consider what we know about Christ, his birth and his life and his death. And let's consider if it's obvious to most people that it brought peace. Here's the circumstances that happened the day Jesus was born. Herod, the reigning king of the Jews, is told of a new king of the Jews being born. That happened at Christ's birth. Herod, the reigning king of Jews, is threatened by this birth announcement of a new king of the Jews. And this creates fear and anger in Herod. Matthew chapter two, verse 13 tells us this. Now, when they had departed, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream and said, rise, take the child and his mother and flee to Egypt and remain there until I tell you, Herod is about to search for the child to destroy him. Those are the circumstances around Christ's birth. Herod is envious and jealous and threatened, and he desires to kill the child. Is that peace on earth? Here's another circumstance around Christ's life. Jesus 
in his 33 years on earth, especially for his three years of ministry, was often hated. And it's interesting, he was hated by the Romans, but also by his own people, the Jews. So he had lots of enemies. His time here on earth, he was hated by both parties. Both wanted him dead and plotted to kill him. This was Jesus's life. Their plot was to kill him and hang him on a cross. So how did Jesus bring peace on earth if he came to die, to be hung on a cross, martyred? And then lastly, the third thing that makes us wrestle with did Jesus come to bring peace on earth? Since Jesus arrived, his followers have been persecuted and murdered for claiming he is the Messiah. Now we live in a pretty peaceful area, time, but the common narrative of this baby's followers, this Messiah's followers has been one of persecution and murder, difficulty and trial as we saw in 1 Peter. So I hope this question comes to you of how did Jesus bring peace on earth? because it doesn't look peaceful. Are you there with me? So we need to understand our text and walk through this to help us see how did Jesus bring peace on earth? I think we need to go back to the beginning where we see where peace was lost. I think Genesis 3 helps us see what was lost so that we can see what was restored by this baby. So I'll just summarize for you Genesis chapter three. You know the story fairly well. Adam and Eve are placed into the garden, a very peaceful place. God creates a peaceful world and creates human beings to be in peace with him, in relationship with him. There's peace in the garden, peace everywhere until Adam and Eve chose to rebel against their creator and peace was lost. And at the end of Genesis chapter three, God tells the serpent, Adam and Eve, what was lost because of their sins. Let me summarize for you. The first peace that was lost was peace between man and earth. That peaceable relationship was lost. We're told that work has become laborious and, and difficult. To Eve, we learn that childbearing becomes painful or not peaceful. We also see that day that death and decay enter the world, creating a lack of peace. Often, people I know, you guys, myself, we have a lack of peace that comes from the frailty of our own bodies. Anybody feel that? That lack of peace from the decay of our own bodies or from death, the loss of loved ones. Lack of peace, that was lost in the garden when Adam and Eve rebelled, a lack of peace between man and earth. Maybe much of the lack of peace you have today results from your interaction with a broken world or your failing body. Lack of peace because of man's sin in the garden. The second thing that was lost in the garden was peace between man and man. Mankind was lost. 
we learn that because of the sin, Adam and Eve's relationship becomes strained and tumultuous. We're told that in Genesis 3. And then consider Adam and Eve's descendants, Cain and Abel, the first murder, brother against brother, strife, hate, murder. We learn about Jacob and Esau at each other's throats, going after each other, fighting. Peace is gone and you now have dissension. The peace between man and man, man and woman was lost in the garden. Maybe much of the lack of peace you have today results from strife between you and fellow mankind. We know of many, and maybe there's even in this room today, that have spousal tension going on. Relationships with other family members that are hard and difficult. Relationships with your neighbors that just aren't easy. It's difficult. Coworkers. Maybe you've got anxiety and fear in your own heart when you hear about nations raging against other nations. Wars creates lack of peace. These were all things that were lost as a result of man's actions in the garden. And then lastly, we're told of the last thing that was lost, the peaceable relationship that was lost was peace between God and man was lost. You know, in Genesis chapter three, God has to kick Adam and Eve out of the garden. And that action creates distance, a lack of peace. Distance was created when they were removed from the garden. And this, I want you to know, is still today our greatest problem. Even though working is difficult, relationships are difficult, your greatest problem, my greatest problem, is the distance that was created between God and man. That our sins separated us from him. No longer walks in the, in the garden. There's now difficulty and enmity and strife between us and God. And so I hope you understand what was lost, the lack of peace, because understanding what was lost helps us understand what Jesus restored. When he said, peace on earth, we need to understand what was lost so we can understand what we have gained, what has been restored. So now let's, for the remainder of our time, let's talk about what Christ has restored, what this baby being born restored to us. I love our verse today, and I do want to point this out. I'm not eloquent enough or smart enough to tell you too much about this, but look at verse 14 real quick. Verse 14 tells us, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. Depending on how you grew up, you might have a different translation of that in your head. There is some changes that have happened in this verse over time as we have learned more about the Bible. I want to encourage you Tuesday to listen to our Extra Point podcast. You might have a different translation or memorization in your head. Pastor Todd will lean in on why the translation of this verse is worded this way to help us understand maybe some tradition you have and to think through that. So Tuesday... First Family Podcast, listen to the Extra Point Podcast. Todd will explain the current translation we have in our ESV, CSB, NIV, New American Standard. He'll help you explain that. It'll be very beneficial. So now let's look at how Christ brings peace. Three things we'll look at today that Christ restored. The first thing that this baby being born will restore is relational peace. 
unity with others. This is one thing that Christ restored. If you think of Israel's history, again, Israel is God's people. He chose to have a relationship with this group, the Hebrews, the wanderers, Israel, God's people. Their narrative is one of strife against the world. As you think of the Old Testament, most of the story is written about this group of people that God loves and strife with the rest of the world, lack of peace. And only Christ, when Christ comes, when he is born, he lives and he dies. One of the things that he accomplishes is he restores unity with people who have been divided. Israel and the world, or Jew and Gentile. One of the things that Christ restores is the relationship between Jew and Gentile. Listen to Romans chapter 12, verse five. So we, though many, are one body in Christ and individually members one of another. You see, church, this, this room is filled with people that have very little in common except for our home addresses. Like you and I have vastly different opinions and preferences, and there's so many things that divide us. Even if you think about like your, your uh, ethnicity, your backgrounds, where you come from, there's so many things that divide us. But the thing that has united us is Christ. He has adopted us into his family. He's restored what should divide us. But yet we are now unified because of our faith in Christ. So if you were to dig, get into the life and the, the details of the person sitting next to you, there's probably not a whole lot you have in common. But now you're in a room together with unity, worshiping Jesus. Jesus has unified what otherwise would be divided. He restored uh, Jew and Gentile, bringing us together. Listen to Galatians chapter three. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There's neither slave nor free. There's neither male or female. For, all, for you all are one in Christ Jesus. In this room is filled with one group of people, the people of God. Brothers and sisters, that's what he's brought you to. People who probably don't have much in common, wouldn't love spending time together. Now you're in a room for one reason, your brothers and sisters. You worship the same Jesus. That's what he has restored. Relational peace, unity with one another. Once we were far off, now we've been brought in. I think most of you are Gentiles. You have been adopted. You've been brought into the family of God. Christ, this baby, took what was divided and united it. We are now one in Christ, the family of God. This brought peace on earth. The second thing that Christ, this baby, born to us, brought or restored inner peace. Christ restored inner peace or inner calm. I think one thing that we get confused, I get confused often, is the difference between peaceful and peace. Let me just explain that real quick. Peaceful has to do with circumstances. And we all want peaceful circumstances, or we hope that our life will be peaceful. That's not what you've been promised from Jesus. And we get those confused sometimes. Rather, what he promised us is that he would be our prince of peace. Peace is inner calm in the midst of turmoil. That's what's been promised. And I think many times we get frustrated when we don't have peacefulness. Like right now in this room, just for a moment, 
and joy peaceful. Isn't that nice? You want that. You expect that. And we get frustrated when it's not that. But what Christ has offered you is peace, inner joy, inner calm. Peace is a stillness in the midst of a storm. The world we live in, your reality isn't peaceful. But for God's children, he gives you an inner peace in the midst of a lack of peacefulness, a stillness, a calm. I love the story of Jesus with his disciples in the storm. They're on a boat. It's tumultuous. It's terrible. There's a storm. They are worried about their lives. They're scared to death. They look over at Jesus, and what's Jesus doing? He's asleep. They're mad at Jesus. They're ticked off that he's asleep. They wake him up, and they're like, what? You don't care about us? You're asleep? And I love Jesus's response because Jesus is confused. That's probably not the right word theologically. He knows all things. But he, he's a little, like, put off. Is Jesus confused about the storm? No, he's confused about their attitude. Does that make sense? Hit the storm he's completely fine with, not a big deal. Wait a minute, why, why are you responding the way that you're responding? That's confusing to me. Listen to Jesus. I think this is so fascinating. Matthew chapter eight. This is Jesus's words after he's woken up. Why are you afraid? Yeah, I see the storm. I see the waves. It's crazy outside. I get that. I'm confused about you. Why are you afraid? Why don't you have peace? Oh, you of little faith. That's what he says. That's his response. Jesus wasn't confused by the storm. He was confused by their lack of peace because he offers that. He gives peace, not peacefulness. He gives peace. Peace. Listen to John chapter 14, verse 27. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. This is what this baby brought. Inner peace, inner stillness, inner calm in the midst of storms. This is what he's promised. Listen to 2 Thessalonians chapter 3. Now may the Lord of peace himself give you peace at all times and in every way. The Lord be with you all. In the midst of your chaos, in the midst of your storm, in the midst of your difficulties, he grants you peace, inner calm. God's got this. It's okay. I will not be afraid for he is with me. And in Philippians chapter four, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your heart and mind in Christ Jesus. Has he promised you peacefulness? No, He's promised you peace, rest. You can relax. God's 
got this. He promises us peace, not necessarily peaceful circumstances. And lastly, how did this baby bring peace on earth? You and I, our greatest need is peace with God. Jesus restored or reconciled a broken relationship between you and I, between God and us. That's your greatest need. That's our greatest problem. And that's what Jesus came to do. That's why Jesus came as a baby to die on a cross to solve your and I greatest problem, our broken relationship with God. Christ came to close the gap that was created after the garden between man and God to restore what was lost between God and man. Listen to Romans chapter five, verse one. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Because of Christ's death on the cross for you, he reconciled you to the Father only through faith in Christ. Solving your and I greatest problem, our distance between God. This is my favorite verse in the whole Bible, I think. It's 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21. It says this, for our sake, he, that's God, made him, that's Jesus, to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Why did Jesus come? To, to be sinless and then to take on our sin to die in our place and to grant us a righteous record we did not earn. That's why Christ came, to give you peace, peace with God. And here on earth, right now, I have a restored, peaceful relationship with the Heavenly Father on earth. He gave that to me, and he gave that to any one of you who call on the name of the Lord to be saved, to believe in Christ. If you believe in Christ, you have peace with God. Without the birth, life, and death of Christ on your behalf, you would still be separated from God and dead in your sins. We needed a sacrifice for our sins and only a perfect sacrifice would do. That's Jesus. Jesus is the spotless lamb that would take away our sins. Just for a moment, have you trusted in that? Have you placed your faith in the work of Christ? Is your only hope in life that Christ died in your place for your sins? We do not want to assume that all of you have a restored relationship with the Father. Romans tells us if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, you are saved. Have you cried out to the Father? Have you asked him to forgive you? Have you put your faith in Christ? If you have not, would you do that today? You're still in your sins, separated from the Father, only to be restored through faith in Jesus Christ. Respond today. Put your faith in him today. It's the only way to be reconciled to the Father. So how did this baby, born 2,000 years ago, bring peace on earth? He restored what was broken. He restored unity between man and man. He gave you inner calm and he reconciled you to the Father 
That's what this baby, this is the one we worship. This is the one we anticipate returning. This is what he promised you, glory to God and peace on earth. Church, do you have peace? I'm not asking you if your life is peaceful. I know that answer. It's not. But do you have peace? Inner calm, trust, faith that God's got you. That's what Christ is here to offer you today. Believe in him. Trust that he's good, that he's got you. Do you lack peace? That might be your eyes aren't focused on Christ. Here's our take-home truth today, just to summarize all of this, help you to see maybe how to implement this a little bit. Peace on earth only comes from faith and trust in the Prince of Peace, Jesus Christ. If you don't have peace, it's probably because you don't have faith and trust in the Prince of Peace. You're trusting in something else. I wanna end our time today with a simple illustration that's been helpful to me to kind of think through. Um, about a little over a year ago, uh, we went on vacation with my, fam my parents and my dad and I went on a fishing trip. We've been waiting for this for a long time. It was one of those four-hour deep sea in the ocean fishing trip. And I would promise you, a year ago, I would have swore to you, I don't get motion sickness. I don't get seasick. I can ride roller coasters. I love to travel, like bring it on. There's nothing you can do to make me sick. I'm, I'm not susceptible to that at all. So my dad and I, all excited about this trip, booked this four-hour fishing trip. We're in the ocean, just having a great time. And about an hour in, I got sick. The trip was four hours. Three of the four hours, I hugged a toilet. It was miserable. I do one of those things where you empty your stomach and you're like, okay, I think I'm good. You're kind of, oh boy. You kind of walk back and three of the four hours begging for mercy, hugging a toilet. And it was miserable. And so that sent me on a journey because I'm not susceptible to motion sickness. I never get seasick. This isn't a thing. So that way really put me on a journey. Why do people get motion sickness? What is seasickness? And I'm not a doctor, but here's what I've learned. There's something that happens between your eyes and your ears, right? Your eyes detect motion. So they see whether or not you're standing still or if you're moving, right? They are able to tell that and they give, send messages to your brain. Your ear also does the same thing. I don't know why, you probably do, but your ear or inner ear is able to tell if you're moving or if you're consistent. Motion sickness is when your brain gets confused, when one signal's saying this and another signal is saying this, and your body says, I'm gonna get rid of everything that might be a problem. <laughs> so you empty everything hoping to solve the problem. This is motion sickness, I think. And there's a couple solutions to this motion sickness or uh, seasickness. One of them being, which I think is the most helpful, makes some sense to me, is to stare at something that doesn't move. Stare at the horizon, look to the land, because the land doesn't move. 
And if your eyes are on the turmoil, the chaos, the things that are moving, your stomach gets queasy, you get confused, you get sick. But if your eyes are on the thing that never moves, never changes, you're healthy, you're well, you have peace. Church, this is how life works. Some of us are sick today. We don't feel well, we're anxious, we're nervous, we're a mess, our stomach's in knots, we're just in chaos because your eyes are on the circumstances and you're mad at God because it's not peaceful and you're a mess. You're anxious, you're nervous, you're just sick. But for those of us that have our eyes focused on Christ, what he has done for us, the things that will never change, will always be true, we have inner peace. We know that he has solved our greatest problem, our enmity between a man and God. He has, he has reconciled us to the Father. For those of us in this room that know Jesus, you have inner peace. So today, do you lack peace? Change your eyes. Look to Christ, the thing that will never change, never move. He'll always be there for you. It is finished. Focus your eyes there. For those of you that are sick today, you're anxious, you're nervous. You need to focus on Jesus. The same is true in life. For those of you that have peace today, that you're calm. Your life's not peaceful, but you have inner calm. My prayer for you is that your peace would be curious to the sick world around you. Those that you know that are a mess, and they see you, even though your life is chaotic and hard and difficult, they see you at peace, calm, I pray that they'd be curious and you'd have the courage and the love and the compassion to share with them the hope you have in Jesus Christ. I pray that our church would be a peace-filled church who has compassion on a sick world we'd be able to share with them the hope that only Jesus offers, the peace that only Jesus offers. If you need peace, let us pray for you. Let us help you. Let us talk to you. And we will promise you, we will point you to the only source of peace, the Prince of Peace. Church, as we anticipate Christ, as we wait, one day, I wanna share with you some really good news. One day, we will all enter his eternal peace. Isn't that good news? Yes. That's what we're doing. We're waiting. We're faithfully being his ambassadors here in a turmoil world with inner peace. But one day, this is the anticipation we're talking about. This is why we wait. We wait for one day that we will enter his eternal peace. But church, for now, keep your eyes on Christ and what he has accomplished even when the world around you spins and dips.